This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Cliff Eidelman, composer for Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and you are listening to Standard Orbit on Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm your host, Zach Moore, and I'm joined by Brian Drew, the senior editor at TrekMovie.com. Welcome. Hi, thanks, Zach. Good to be here. I've been a big fan of Trek Movie for a long time. Trek Movie was like my number one source for Star Trek news, dating back to like the early days of the, the what what came to be known as the Kelvin timeline. Back then, we called yep. it Star Trek XI. <laughs> yep. So uh, talk to me a little bit about how you got involved with Trek Movie and how long you've been uh, a part of things there and what you do there. How long have I been a part of it? Um, I've known the editor-in-chief and the founder of Trek Movie, Anthony Pascal, for, I guess, about 10 or 11 years now. Um, for a while, we were mostly just friends. I would send him stories. I wasn't actively involved in the site. I didn't have the time at that point. So we would mostly talk back and forth, kibitz a bit about what was going on in the fandom. And then I guess about, God, six, seven years ago now, I actively got more involved and helped Tony and a few other people administer the site. And we started our own podcast, I guess, about five years ago now. The Shuttle Podcast. What a great name for a podcast. Shuttle so pod. well, well done on that one. <laughs> that, yeah, I can't take credit for that. That's one of one of the uh, Shuttle Pod hosts, Jared Whitley, came up with that name. And yeah, it's a very mm-hmm. clever little, little title. Yeah, I just want to ask you just personally, where does your Star Trek fandom come from? How long have you been a fan what do you gravitate towards? What What's your Star Trek fandom, Brian? I became a fan in, I guess, roughly the spring of 1979 when I was six years old. Um, I happened to catch an episode of Trek that my dad happened to be watching one night. And it was the Enterprise Incident, third season episode. And That's a good one to start with right there. It was, it yeah. Right. Yeah, it was because there's you know there's a lot of intrigue, you know, Captain Kirk's in disguise, there's Romulans, there's disappearing spaceships, like it, it, you know, when you're six years old, it's like oh wow, that's kind of cool, you know. Um, so I got pretty wrapped up in it pretty quickly, and then uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture came out later that year, and while like, the more metaphysical aspects of the movie kind of went over my head, I was a little kid, um, I loved it, 
I got really wrapped up in it. And that's when my fandom really kicked into high gear. I started reading the books, I comic books, like really dove into it full bore to the point where, you know, most of my friends were big Star Wars fans and I, I enjoyed Star Wars, but Trek was always the thing. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of like what I would consider like a late second generation Star Trek fan. Like I'm one, like I consider the first generation of fans to be the TOS people who watched the original series while it was on the air. And the second generation is the people who picked it up in syndication in the seventies. I'm kind of like at the tail end of that, right before the, the movie came out, the first movie came out. So I'm kind of like a real old line fan in many ways, even though I'm, I was young at the time like i read all the blish novels and i read Mm. you know i got into a lot of the stuff that a lot of fans from the 70s got wrapped up in you know what i mean yeah so but yeah it's been 40 years this year this this year it's been 40 years i've been a star trek fan i've seen a lot of stuff (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's great man and did you ever catch the animated series anytime in the 70s or the 80s or was that kind of come and gone back then it was off the beaten path it was off the beaten path for a long time. Like, I think it was broadcast, I think, from 72 to 74. No, 73 to 75, I think. And then it kind of dropped off the map. Yeah. For the, for all, pretty much until the early 90s. And I really don't think it got any kind of real exposure. I mean, I knew about it, of course, and and its reputation and yesteryear and whatnot. But I think because Gene Roddenberry didn't think very much of it. It was kind of just tucked away and and really didn't resurface until after Gene passed. So I didn't really... Yeah, it was one of those things where it's it's kind of gone back and forth between is it canon, is it not? Yeah. Before home video, right? We're at the mercy of when it was broadcast on TV. I I remember that I I came across it when... uh, It was on Nickelodeon, kind of in the early 90s for a short time. And then my my parents would would rent the... uh, tapes as well because some of mm-hmm. our local video stores had the tapes when they came out on uh on on home video but but yeah mm-hmm. that, that pre that, that's not even like pre-degeneration like you said it's like, like pre-even movies it's just a very interesting time in, in star trek fandom and i'm actually looking forward to uh, uh mark cushman's have writing a book about that uh time post tos right. and pre-motion picture and that's going to be his volume four of these are the voyages so i'm looking forward to that one because that was that was a little before my time so <laughs> it'd be mm. interesting to see get a slice of that from uh from the era so no definitely definitely yeah it, it's a very fertile era that's when the fandom really came into being and mm-hmm. and really the thing that kind of launched trek back into existence i always say that it would have been so cool to have been involved in the fandom in like 72 73 74 when it was all grassroots and like the the, the plastic of it hadn't set in, set in yet and like you know the corporations right. hadn't gotten their hands in yet and it was just like <laughs> exactly. it was just like oh my god it's just this amazing phenomenon and you know it was just tremendous excitement about what trek was and the possibilities of maybe bringing it back, you know, that, that must've been a really, really great time to have been a Star Trek fan. Yeah. Because it, 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 it's still unprecedented that they brought back this show 10 years later with mm-hmm. the same cast. Yep. I mean, that you can only imagine, like, I mean, I, I can't even think of something right now. I mean, we have all these revivals now. I mean, so I guess that's the, the television ver- I mean, you get, you know, Picard's coming out as of this recording right. in the end of this year. So that that's similar, but, but, but it just to have like the show you loved back as a motion picture that was unheard of 
yep. back then. And that's a very yep. this this whole revival culture and this nostalgia culture right, is very it's very recent, only in the last few years. And you know, if they made uh, if they made Star Trek, you know, if they made that movie just ten years later, they would have recast everyone and it, it, and it wouldn't have been the same, you know. And as we no. saw with the Abrams movies, as much as I, you know, love the first one and the third one, not so much the second one, of uh, <laughs> the uh, the Kelvin timeline, right? I mean, you recast everybody, and that's great. It's shot in the arm. Yep. But we're kind of done now. It's like three and done, and it's like okay, but thanks, you know. And, th- and that could have been Star Trek if, if things hadn't played out just the way they did. So no doubt, no doubt. And I even think had Phase Two been a thing. I'm not so sure how much further Trek would have gone because I don't think Phase Two was a particularly good concept. Yeah, the uh, Phase Two is, again it's such a fascinating pre-motion picture thing. Like uh, you're right because it would have been. I'm not saying that it would have been played out just like this, but I feel like it, it had the risk of being like a Galactica 1980, which is like the sequel yeah. series to Battlestar Galactica that nobody even kind of knows about, and they just kind of get yep. packaged in sometimes with the original. That's a great series. analogy for it. That's a great analogy for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because I don't, have you ever read the story outlines for Phase Two? Yes, the the, the uh, Reeve Stevens book that they they, they yeah. came out with in a few years yep. ago. Yeah, some of those yep. some of those are interesting. Like some uh, are, but some are not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a very uneven. I think there's like 13 story treatments that are in the book, and mm-hmm. yeah, some of it's kind of it's a bit uneven. And then you know, Spock was not going to be there. Yeah, there, so I'm sure they, I'm sure Zahn would have been a cool character, but you cannot yeah. replace Leonard Nimoy as Spock. I mean, you just can't. You yeah. can't, can't do it. I mean, they couldn't even do it right. in the movies. Like we got we got to have Leonard back immediately. So it yep, would have been yep. interesting. You know, you have Ilya would have been there. Uh, I mean, we've yep. even seen the screen tests of her in the original series uniform, which is always an interesting thing to see. Um, but with with Decker being like Riker, but I mean, because obviously Roddenberry repurposed all of this. Like Data was Zahn, oh, yeah. Riker was oh, yeah. Decker and Ilya was Troy. I mean, the the, the child, Devils Do. You know, Devils mm-hmm. Do, I actually really like that episode of Next Generation. And it's, it's funny because I wa- well, I, you, you watch the episode as is, and you're like, oh, I can totally see how that was written for the original cast. But then you go back and you read the outline. I'm like, oh, that's completely different. <laughs> it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah. less like the original series in the outline from the 70s uh, than the next-gen episode was. But, uh, but then it's you get true. all that stuff like Katoomba and... You know, totally changing the the Klingons and the, the one that um, I'm just I'm just thinking of them all now, but so I haven't really talked about this on Center before. Uh, but the um, it's called Tomorrow and the Stars. I remember that because it's a really cool title. It and is a cool. It's a very Kirk, Star Trek title. Yeah, it's very Star. As, as as we segue into our topic for today, but you know, that's <laughs> a, a really cool title. But it's a City on the Edge of Forever ripoff, basically, but but not as good because like basically Kirk finds himself. There's some transporter accident, uh, for those who aren't familiar uh, with the episode or what we're talking about, these outlines for Phase 2. Kirk is in a transporter accident. He finds himself like on at Pearl Harbor just a couple days before the attack on Pearl Harbor. Right. And he falls in love with some woman, but she's like married, and it's like a he want, doesn't want her to go to the ship to find her husband because he knows what's happening. And I, I don't know. like It, it totally... I totally see why they came up with that concept, but I, it does feel like a really lame rehash of City on the Edge Forever. So, mm. yeah, Gene liked the idea of going back into the past and trying to change it. There's a story outline I think for he he started to roll out in the '80s. I think one of his original outlines for he wanted to pitch for the fourth movie was that they would go back to the 1960s and somehow have to 
try to either prevent the, the assassination of JFK or cause it. Yes, yes. Yeah, and he rolled that out several times during the 80s, and everybody's like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no, thank you. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, yeah, I've heard that too. Like, I haven't really read the scripts or outlines exactly, but but you're right. I, I've heard both versions. It's like Kirk and, Sp- Kirk and or Spock either have to save JFK from the Klingons or, or kill him themselves. So I think that yeah. would have been a little... Uh, but, but, you know, we're, fiction is so... Science fiction especially is so fixated on, like, it's World War II and yep. JFK. Like, you look at in modern times, or in the last couple of years, right? Obviously, these were novels that have been expanded into television shows uh, for streaming media. But you have Man in the High Castle, mm-hmm. which is, you know, World War II, which I like to say that is the alternate timeline from City on the Edge of Forever. Like, <laughs> they just made a show about that. Um, obviously, it's a book written by Philip uh, K. Dick, which I read... Yep. And I was like, "This is okay," but I, I, but I think the show actually, you know, I really usually the book is better. I think the show mm-hmm. actually delves into it a lot cooler angles. I think, uh, and then of course you have eleven twenty two sixty three, which is a right. Stephen King novel about Stephen James King. Franco plays the part in the miniseries and going back in time and saving JFK and those kinds of things. So, so mm-hmm. even now in two thousand nineteen, we're still talking about these these things of history. And I, I only I can only assume maybe in like. 10 or 15 years, I'll start writing about you know, 9-11 or something along those lines. Yeah, because these maybe. are these are the you know the the pressure points of history, right? Oh yeah, so. very much so. And obviously JFK and his desires to put us into space inspired genes. It, it very much informs the original series. It's the romanticism of space travel in the sixties. Definitely is Absolutely. infused in the original Star Trek. There's no question. Star Trek, the original Star Star Trek is very much a Kennedy-esque version of space. Hmm. And the next generation is the Reagan-esque version of space, right? It is. It is, to some degree. It's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, very much a, it's very much a child of the 80s, Star Trek Next Generation. Yes, yes, very much so. Uh, so, you know, we had a segue back there I could have taken, but I enjoyed our tangent there, so I kept it going. So let's go back to that segue, <laughs> and we're okay. going to talk about the, the titles, retitling. The original series. Now, this is our third part of this series. We had a lot of fun right. the last couple of weeks talking about uh, what if we retitled the original series with the Berman era titles. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't listened to our last two episodes, I recommend you go back and listen to them. You'll kind of get what we're going for here. Uh, but, you know, The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, especially Voyager, Enterprise as well, um, had some pretty bland titles. I mean, there were some great ones in there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but when... when they came down to it. It was usually a one or two word title that was pretty bland, pretty generic, and pretty interchangeable. Yeah, uh, I made the comparison in our first conversation. Like the the music was wallpaper, and so were the titles. Yep. Uh, I was I, yeah, then, yeah I was just about to go there. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so so what what is your take on that? Just like I don't know why. And, and and I said this in the first episode. I want to reiterate this. I think history has been kinder to Rick Berman than at the time. Like the in the you know the early 2000s, we're like, ah, Berman, your nemesis and your enterprise, what are you doing? But now we can kind of look back and more appreciate, you know, that he was shepherding this giant franchise and, and him and Braga were honestly burned out at the end. But mm. but I still the one thing I will still plant my flag of complaint about for Rick Berman is is I mean he fired Ron Jones because of the music and he kept the, everything kind of bland and, and what what's your take on that of this Berman era uh, mentality that we're talking about here? I, th- I think people are too hard on Rick. I mean, he, mm-hmm. there are things worth criticizing about him, but but he, if it weren't for Rick Berman, you and I wouldn't be talking right now. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, he, he salvaged 
TNG and got it stabilized and gave it a very distinctive style that is strict is completely Star Trek Next Generation. Did he do some things that I didn't like? Yeah, I mean, the music is a good example of that. I mean, that music is so bland and interchangeable that the Orville is able to mimic it with great ease. It's it's distinctive by its lack of distinction. <laughs> it is just, it is so, like, you know, bland. So, yeah, that was that is definitely a, a legit criticism of Rick Berman that he kind of just abandon any pretense of like melody in any of the tv shows different with the films jerry goldsmith did his jerry goldsmith thing but uh mm-hmm. but the yeah the tv shows just went incredibly yeah just like very bland so i think it's important we you know we, I, I call us the the berman era titles and we're kind of having some fun with it but but i i think it's important that we always say before we embark on this like hey you know what Rick Berman, he's got a tough shake over the years. You know, look back, and we would have had a band of the week on Enterprise if not for Rick Berman, right? Because of UPN. So he mm-hmm. was still, you know, even at the end there, he was like, hey, guys. I mean, Enterprise itself, right? Him and Brock, I wanted to yeah. do the first season, like, on Earth, right? I mean, there was so, yeah, many, that so been much really creative cool. control. Yeah, it would have been unique, right? And that was the criticism mm-hmm. of the first couple of seasons of Enterprise. It's like, well, it's like TNG Light. Well, it was, because that's what the UPN wanted. That's what they turned Voyager into, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, so, so as, as much as we, we're going to have some fun, we're going to poke fun at like, the way things were titled back then, but I do want people to know we're not hating on Rick Berman. We're just laughing with him about no. how the, the titles yeah. ended up. We've done season one. We've done season two. We're on to season three. So before we go down this list and retitle season three, Brian, I do want to ask you, do you have a favorite title of the season, of season three of TOS? For the world is hollow and I have touched the sky. <laughs> good. Very good choice. Very good choice. It's a really kind of lyrical little title, you know. It's, but I always like that that name. It's just it, there's a certain poetry to it. Even it, it the the title of the episode is it indicates a quality that's not really in the episode. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true. How about you? What's yours? For me, oh man, it's tough because as you said, it, there's there's poetry and there's poetry in a lot of these titles in season three. Uh, you know, so but if I if I had to pick one, uh, I would probably say Requiem for Methuselah because mm-hmm. it just it's, it sounds so cultured. You're like it's Requiem Methuselah. Who is that? You got to look him up. He's a more obscure name from the Bible, and it's like, mm. well, what is this? You know, so so it, it has just a, an elegance, a class around it. Uh, that it you would definitely not see in later Star Trek. Perhaps Discovery, because, you know, Discovery has some great titles, I think. I think they were kind mm-hmm. of gotten back into that, you know, how do we tap into this uh, flowery language for, for titles? And they did a good job of that. So so maybe we'll see Requiem for Fill in the Blank on Discovery in a future season. But that, <laughs> I'm going to go with Requiem for Methuselah. All right. No, that's a good one. That's a real good one. My, my runner-up, though, uh, would have been Isn't There Truth No Beauty? Because yeah. it's it's one of those titles where, it, it, obviously, it's from Shakespeare, as Star Trek often borrows from. Mm-hmm. But it, it's one of those titles, like, I find it amusing. If, if you go look at, not and I'm not just talking the internet now. I'm talking, like, actual Star Trek reference books. Like, that title has been messed up, and the, and the word's out of order <laughs> very often <laughs> over the years. Because people just don't, like, there is no beauty and truth. There is no truth and beauty. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. people just yeah. keep mixing it up. And it's a, I'm, I understand why. Because it's not it's not like proper grammar, but it's it's yeah. very memorable. So it is. It's, it's also one of the better third season episodes. Absolutely, absolutely. So what is your? And we'll jump to it here. But what is your take on a third season? I mean, obviously, I think, and I think it's it's granted in fandom. The first two seasons are definitely a step above the third season. 
But oh, at yeah. the same time, I think people say, oh, the third season, there's like five good episodes. And I'm like, well, maybe five great episodes, mm-hmm. but there's a few more good ones in there. So I think there's a lot of worth in the third season. The th- I think the best episode of the third season is probably the Tholian Web. Mm. Um, that to me is like great. That's like just a great Star Trek episode, regardless of season. That's just an excellent, good sci-fi, explore some character dynamics, you know. Um I think there's maybe four or five good episodes. I would I would agree with that. The third season <laughs> is kind of a hot mess, and it gets progressively worse as it gets near the end. You know, what's interesting about, you know, you mentioned Cushman earlier. When I was reading through the third season book that he did of the original series, one of the things that becomes apparent as you're reading through the story treatments and then seeing what got broadcast is that a lot of the original outlines for the episodes in the third season were very good. Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the line, as Freiberger and his story editor, Arthur Singer, got into it, it lost a lot of things in the translation. So I feel like there was probably a lot of good stories pitched that kind of just got mutilated on their way into the broadcast. There's some real turkeys during the third season, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you mentioned Tholian Webb and you mentioned the Enterprise Incident earlier. I mean, I think those... Those are the two like real gems of the third season that no one. I mean, those are on lots of people's top ten lists of the show. I would say mm-hmm. honestly, in my top ten list of the show, period, Enterprise Incident is in my top ten. I think just think it's a great episode, of espionage, Mission Impossible, yep. Star Trek style. Yep, Mission so, Impossible, Star Trek. Yep. And, and I have to say this, and and, and we're going to go through production order because I'm a production order kind of guy. So that's what we've been doing the last two times. We're going to do it this way as well. Okay. Yeah, I I, I agree with you about production order. But but broadcast order, I will say, and I've said this before about the third season. If you just if you lop off the first and last episode, like if you get rid of Spock's brain and you get rid of Turnabout Intruder, and then your first episode is Enterprise Incident and your last episode is All Our Yesterdays, it's like hmm. I think the third season would have been a lot more palatable for people, and you wouldn't have these like trigger points of questionable quality at the first yeah. and last episode. No, that, that's why they're to be so infamous. But don't forget, and the Children's Chalid is in the, right in the middle. <laughs> Yes, yes, the the worst episode of Star Trek. It might period. be, the, yeah. It is it is a big contender for the worst episode of Star Trek ever. <laughs> My God! Oh man. So with that being said, Brian, let's get into it. Let's let's retitle. Okay. These episodes. So what so what we've been doing is you know we'll each suggest one. We'll talk about it for you know a minute or so and 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 kind of can decide which one is going which one is the better retitle. Better or worse, depending on your point of view, right? Uh, and then I'll just read through the season at the end, and we'll have we'll know what our our, our twenty fourth century era, twenty third century TOS uh, season sounds like, and if it entices you to watch the next season of Star Trek. So here we go, production order, everyone. Episode one of season three, Specter of the Gun. Great episode. Good episode. I yeah. agree. I think it was kind of clever how they had no budget so they're like well they didn't know what walls were captain that's why these sets have no walls but i'm gonna go and i know there's a movie about this i I, i've i've been cheating this entire time by borrowing tiles and other things but if i had to retitle it with the berman era title i'm gonna go with tombstone yeah yeah i kind of go with another like west like like what they did with the fistful of data is where they kind of lean into the western title they they allude into a western title i kind of like that Mm -hmm. what about you what do you got brian i was thinking (laughs) <laughs> I, I kind of went that way too you know how the man who shot liberty balance yes the man who shot pavel Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it was just like something goofy like that 
I, I like that. Like, if this was a comedy episode, I could totally see them do like, Who Mourns for Mourn or something from Beast Space Nine. I like yeah. that. But I think I'm going to go with mine. What do you think? Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I agree. Tombstone I agree. is better. <laughs> but, but I do like the creativity. Well said. So, Tombstone it is for episode one. Uh, episode two, Elan of Troyes. It's obviously inspired by Helen of Troy from Greek mythology. And Taming of the Shrew. Taming of the Shrew, yes. So Shakespeare as well, yes. Uh, so what have you got here, Brian? I had a hard time with this one, to be honest with you. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> yeah, these, these are tricky. Like, some of this stuff is tricky. I mean, it's about, obviously, the Taming of the Shrew and this chemical. And, I mean, you, you could make some sort of allusion to a love potion, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'll go first. Tears. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you can go with that. Because the tears, man. That's the thing. With it's the, all about the... the tears. But it doesn't really tell you what the episode's about, though. But that's kind of the point of these <laughs> retitling, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you took a, uh, a mulligan on this one. <laughs> I'm going to go I with totally tears. Did. And that's going to be our episode for a lot of choice. Right. So, go with tears. So. Because you had no answer last time, we're going to reverse it now. You're going to have to go first again. All right. What have you got for the Paradise Syndrome, Brian? Kirok. Ah, that's what I had too. <laughs> <laughs> like Darmok. That's perfect. Kirok. Yes. <laughs> Kirok and Picard at Tanagra. Uh, at Tanagra, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too because, I mean, he's when he's shouting to the sky, right? I am Kirok! Yep. Right? Shouting to the, to the crowd there. I mean, Kirok, that's the one thing that sticks in your mind oh I mean, yeah the only other thing i could think of is like preservers or something as i'm trying to think of these one word kind of titles but i think kirok no, is definitely a slam dunk yeah and you get to embrace like the campiness of it yeah you know? <laughs> yes you have to embrace the camp absolutely oh yeah so oh, yeah. so kirok it is uh moving on to the fourth episode of the season the enterprise incident uh, and, you know, we were talking about production versus air date order. I'll just quick aside here. Uh, in production order, Atlanta Troyes was first. We see the Klingons. We see their new ship. Mm-hmm. Air date order, Enterprise Incident is first. We see the quote-unquote new Klingon ship, but the Romulans are using it. So it just even adds to the confusion about whose ship is what. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. So the Enterprise Incident, I'm going to borrow a title that we suggested earlier. It's also a Next Generation title. I'm going to... Tile it the neutral zone. That's what I got. What about you? I, I, was, I had something along those lines. Because <laughs> I was thinking about the neutral zone. And then I thought about the Romulan way. I was going to call it the Romulan way. But that oh, didn't make any well, sense. The book, right? Is it Diane Duane? Is that the book? Yeah, her, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's Diane Duane's, yeah. So I was thinking maybe to go that route. And, you know, the Enterprise incident could easily be a TNG name. That, that you could totally... There's a couple of episodes during the third season that you could just move. Like I'm not going to say which one it is, but there are a couple of episodes during the third season that would fit neatly into the TN, the TNG Berman era that don't really yeah. need a lot of. We 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 talked about that before as well. Like episode like uh, episodes like Court Martial or Shore Leave. Like oh, that's just copy and paste transplant. Absolutely. So yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, because the episode's mostly about you know subterfuge and stuff like that. I mean, you could, hey, we can call it that subterfuge. Um. It's, you know, the episode is kind of just a big spy mystery, so you don't want to call it Cloak. I guess you could. Cloaked. I I, I like that. Cloak. See, I, one of my suggestions in season one for Balance of Terror was the Cloak. 
So let's let, let, let's call it, let's call it cloak because you're right, cloak. And this is this is what happens when you're a Star Trek fan like us, and you have these Star Trek encyclopedias in your brain. That is the Section Thirty One series of novels title for the sequel to this episode, Cloak. Is it, but is it that really true? is. Yeah, the, yeah, it's about it's about the cloaking device, the aftermath of Kirk and Spock stealing the cloaking device. Uh, they, this was in the late '90s, early 2000s, because uh, okay. there was no Enterprise book. But they went, they made one for TOS, TNG, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, and each one of them was a Section 31 uh, novel uh, that involved them. So, and, and this one was called Cloak. Uh, so let's let's call it Cloak. Let's. I like we got we got we're having all one word episode titles so far. Let's mm. go with Cloak. And, uh, you know, there might be some crossover as we go between previous retitlings but, uh, that we did in the last two seasons. But, hey, it's all good. We have an episode called Wink of an Eye and Blink of an Eye in Star Trek. So I have no problem with, That's <laughs> with true. really close titles. <laughs> and, and as I said before, well, you know, we'll get to it in, in this conversation. But uh, Braga actually wanted to call Blink of an Eye and Voyager Wink of an Eye until someone told yep. him there's already a Star Trek episode called that. Uh, so moving on to the, to the infamous and the children shall lead you go first brian what have you got man oh man i don't have any i have nothing <laughs> i'm sorry nothing. i have nothing for it well looks like i win again uh <laughs> so i i not that, not that we're keeping score all right we're, it's no, a team no effort of course here. i just went with fear because that's what they try to play up in the episode like on the script le- like seriously though on the script level yeah this episode could have been really cool and really dark and really you know like like uh like the thaw and Voyager, I actually kind of like that episode. Yeah, so do I. And it's very TOS esque, I think mm-hmm. as well with the it's just it's just the the aesthetics of it all and whatnot. But uh, they could have done something more like that. But we got what we got. We got a lawyer in a shower curtain and just stuff things yeah. of that nature. Yeah, which is why it's kind of hard to conjure up fear when you've got <laughs> Melvin Belly dressed in his shower curtain. Yes. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with fear because that's the one thing they really tried to play. Uh, with you and and probably my favorite Captain Kirk gift oh, yeah. is him in the elevator with Spock. <laughs> Everybody knows meltdown. what I'm yeah. talking about. That's oh, yeah. Shatner's finest acting moment in the original yeah. series. Alone, yeah. <laughs> Enterprise, losing her. But anyway, you remember more of that episode than I do, man. Ooh. <laughs> we actually uh, about a year ago or so, me and Brandon Shamantella uh, did a commentary on it. Uh, it's uh, I I don't know what the standard orbit number was, but I remember what we called it. It was called a selfie stick for his tricorder. Um, <laughs> that was based based off the fact that some guy's doing a personal log on his tricorder, but he's like a perfect like medium shot of him. Like, what does he have a selfie stick for this thing? So, you know, it was kind of a fun <laughs> MST3K style commentary on what we had decided was the, the worst episode of Star Trek. So we're gonna oh, go with fear. Awesome. A very a very misleading title. For this episode, people are going to be really disappointed. They tune into an episode called Fear and they get And the Children Shall Lead. So <laughs> so there you go. Next up is Spock's brain. And, yeah. um, you know, that is pretty self-explanatory. But what I came up with was a, a line from the episode. Um, what is brain? Question mark. Yeah, that uh, is what I yeah. would retitle that's it. The only, that's, that's, the, that's it. Like That is the <laughs> line from that episode. Brain, brain, what is brain? So there you go. We were in agreement there. What is brain? That was kind of a slam dunk. Why don't you put your foot through this, Picasso, Brian? You go first. Is in there truth? Is there in truth nobody? See, see, I've already messed it up. I'm looking at it on a list. I know this episode. I made this, I'm reading it. 
and I still messed it up. So <laughs> it's there in truth, no beauty. What have you got? I mean, in many ways, this is about what we view as beauty. What is beauty? What is brain followed up by what is beauty? No, no, no. <laughs> but like, it, it, it's almost like, you know, I got it. Perspective. Perspective. Okay. Because it really is kind of about how the ambassador is like this hideous thing. And I don't know. It just, it, there's like a, they, there's often references to Miranda's beauty in contrast to the ugliness of the ambassador and the hideousness of him. And I just think it's a, I don't know. I'm totally riffing here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I went with, and you know, someone might have suggested this actually on the Babel conference. I do not recall. Uh, but Eye of the Beholder. Uh, there is an yeah. animated series episode called this. And, but I think even though it's kind of like a, a, a saying, I do I could see it being used in the you know Berman era of titles. So Yeah, um, and and um it's a Twilight Zone episode too. Yes, yes, one of the famous Twilight Zone episodes most famous yeah, but, Twilight but, Zone episodes. But, as but, well. but Eye of the Beholder and Perspective is, you know, kind of the same thing. They are very similar. Uh, but you know, I think we've met our quota so far in the first half of the season with one word title. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go with <laughs> Eye of the Beholder. Okay. And hey, and they're putting they put on eyewear, you know, with the glasses. So again, it all ties yep. together if you if you choose to see it that way. So <laughs> there's a great moment in that. There's a great moment in that episode when when he takes control of Spock, and he has this great speech about how you're all so alone, mm-hmm. and this thing you call speech. That that's a wonderful little bit, one of the better moment, better more beautifully written moments in the third season. Yeah, and a great performance by Leonard Nimoy getting yeah. to be out of character, where he's like smiling and commenting on people's beauty and things like yep. that. And it's true, you know, that, that kind of speech reminded me. It, it, it's kind of the opposite thing, but uh, talking about a gem of something in a you know, otherwise malign hole uh, is at the end of Superman Four: The Quest for Peace, Oof. and Super Superman. You know, he's at the end, he's talking to the United Nations. He's like, I wish you could see the all the world the way I see it, you know, with no no boundaries, no borders. You know, I'm just yeah. just having this this alien point of view about something that we all just accept as reality. So I think that, that's mm-hmm. what science fiction is all about. But moving on to our next episode, episode eight of season three, The Empath. My mind went to just calling it Jim, possibly because there's an animated series episode called Bim. <laughs> but yep, there is. that's what I'm going for, J-E-M. So what do you got, Brian? Well, I thought about that, but this was the one I was alluding to earlier about being an episode title that could easily fit into the Berman era on its own. That's like a, that's a very TNG era episode title, The Empath. Mm-hmm. The Empath. But I thought about Gem as well. I mean, some of these, it's like you could, I guess you could, if you back to our one word motif again, you could make it, call it Sacrifice. Hmm. Well, you know, we we have not even though even though I 100% agree with you about uh, it being you could just copy and paste uh, into into the era into the Berman era of titles. I I do we have been retitling them all, no, so that's I think fine. we do need to go ahead and retitle them. Um, mm-hmm. But we you know we both we both kind of agreed on Jim, uh, mm-hmm. even though I just broke my what I just said about one word episode titles for the last episode. <laughs> but we're gonna it's go okay. with Jim G E M, not G Jim. It's like the spelling of gem is like the pronunciation of gif. You know, it can go either way, but we're going to go with J-E-M for gem. Okay. Um, we're probably going to get raked over the coals for that, for not knowing how to spell her name. <laughs> someone someone is angrily 
uh, typing a comment as they listen to this as we speak. Um, yeah, hold on. Let me let me do a little quick research here. We're, we're going to consult the archives of Memory Alpha right now and, and find out how we spell this character's name. It's gem as in the jewel gem, G-E-M. G- it is G-E-M. Okay. It's G-E-M, gem. So would you pronounce it Gim or Jim? No. <laughs> so Jim it is. What a weird name, but it's for aliens, so it's appropriate, I guess. Yep. It's a, it's a very unusual episode. It's almost like a stage play. It, it is. I, it is very kind of just expressionist. I don't know if that's the yeah. right no, no, word that, for that, it or not. Or, or impressionist, yeah. Impre- that's impressionist. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, because you yeah. they're just walking around this this black void. I'm like, oh, here's this bed in the middle of nothingness. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- that was the DeForest Kelly's favorite episode from what I, I read. I believe it. So. He had a lot to do in that episode. He did. He did. So moving on to The Tholian Web, your favorite episode of the third season, your favorite title as well. Uh, what do you got for us, Brian? Interspace. You know, that is that was exactly mine as well. So well done. Great minds think alike. <laughs> it's just you, you think of a term they say that you can like gravitate towards. And it, and it sounds appropriately science fiction y. Yeah, like what does it mean? Like inner space or interface? But yeah, interspace, right? That's what we said. <laughs> interspace. Interspace, right? Because space, it could be interface, it could be whatever you want it to be. That's what I had to yeah, because it's interphasic space, and so there's so many confused. So inter interspace, it is, Brian. Interspace, interspace. So our next episode for the world is hollow, and I have touched the sky. Mm. This this was tough because this is like, well, they say it in the episode. I feel I feel like wrong retile. I mean, I feel wrong retiling most of these, but this especially because this is one of those infamous episode titles that takes up the entire screen. I always love that about this title where there's there's no space yeah. left on the screen. I think it's the long. Is it the longest? I mean, I don't know if it's the longest name of an episode title in Star Trek. Some of the disco titles are pretty long too. I think I think one of the season one disco titles, which was the. Um, the butcher cares not for the lamb's cry. I think that might yeah. be longer that might be or the record. Tighted. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll have to do it. We'll have to do a character count on those at some point. But um, so yeah, for the world is hollow enough as the sky. I was thinking like Operation Annihilate style, even though that's older. But even Voyager had a course oblivion. So I was gonna say destination colon death. <laughs> Destination death. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like like fear for and the children shall eat completely puts you in the wrong mindset <laughs> for what this episode is going to be. But the asteroid is is moving towards a planet and it's going to cause it a is. lot of death. So that's what I came up with. What have you got, Brian? It, it, this one was hard because it's like it, there are two things going on here. One one is obviously McCoy's grave illness, and then obviously this you know this ship is moving toward toward this collision course with another world. I, I just called it world ship. World ship. One word or two? Two. All right. World ship it is. That sounds like a nice uh, 1970s Star Trek novel title. <laughs> you know, it, prob- it, well, it probably so. was. <laughs> there is, you know, there is, an, it, it's not called world ship, but there is a Star Trek novel from, I don't know, the 70s or 80s. And, it, it had, you know, they had these great covers back then. That's mm-hmm. what I always remember. And I think my dad had this, yep novel i just i never read it it's in a box which i'll read it at some point but it was something about like like an inside out planet 
where like you see it, you see this this paint this great painting of like it's kind of like uh, it is kind of like a Dyson sphere, and I have no idea what the title of it is, and I'm sure someone will know and comment. Oh, I'm sure. But yeah, so those, those classic Star Trek novel covers were just ignited your imagination. So, uh, but anyway, world ship it is because it is a world ship. They think it's a world. It's a ship. Uh, so goodbye for the world is hollow night. So it's the sky. Hello, world ship. We move <laughs> on to episode eleven of the season, Day of the Dove. What did you have for this one, Brian? Hate. Hate. Okay, that's true because it, it, it feeds off hate. I had uh, hijacked. Because the ship gets kind of hijacked, but that's so generic. I don't know. What What do you think? Well, you make the call on this one. Hate or hijack? I feel like the the, the core of the episode is just this distrust and unalloyed hatred that the creature is exposing. So I would say hate. I I can see that. I can definitely see that as like a season five Voyager title. Yeah, I've got another <laughs> this... one. <laughs> okay, you got, got another one. one. He's got another one. Death ship. Death ship. World ship? It's a death ship. People die and get reanimated so they can die again. Now, there is an episode of The Twilight Zone called Death Ship, but I'm not opposed to using Death Ship. Hey, we used Eye of the Beholder, did we not? We did. We're just... I love The Twilight Zone. We're just taking titles left and right. Look, if you're going to steal, you steal from the greats. Yeah, <laughs> you do. You do. So, I, I like the idea that we have world ship and death ship. Uh, because that would really confuse people learning episode titles. Like Next Generation, you have A Matter of Honor. Right. You also have A Matter of Time. You also have A Matter of Perspective. This yeah. these, It creates its own web of connections. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I like it. World Ship followed by Death Ship. Uh, so here we go. Episode 12, Plato's Stepchildren, which I always thought was an absurd title and had nothing to do with, you know, yeah, they went to Earth once and hung out with Plato, but now they're like, his uh, I, yeah, never liked the title, but the question is, can I come up with another one? And the, <laughs> not so easily. <laughs> you had a mulligan earlier. I'm I'm gonna call a mulligan on this one as well. I I, I really oh. cannot think of one. I like. Yeah, I know it's it's yeah it's it's tough. You know what we could call it? <laughs> we'll call it Maiden Wine. Is is that a line in the episode? That song that Spock sings. Oh God! See, that I, Leonard Nimoy wrote. Is Most called that, Maiden yeah. Wine. Maiden Wine is what it's called, and <sighs> it is really one of the only things besides the interracial kiss. It's the only things that are memorable about this episode because the episode's really not about much of anything. It's like Very true. these these aliens basically abusing their power and turning people into puppets for their own amusements. Oh, there we go, puppet masters. Ooh, all right, the puppet, the puppet masters. The Puppet, there we go, The Puppet Masters. I'm sure, pretty sure Puppet Master is a horror film, isn't it? Something, yeah, it's a horror film, it's a bug, it's from something I know, but The Puppet Masters it is, thank you for that. See, we'll just start summarizing the episode if we can't come up with the title, Brian, and then something will spring Yeah, but you, this is so, fun, well though, done. this is good, though, you just you just keep riffing, and then sooner or later you'll, you'll hit on something. <laughs> this is what they did in the writer's room, I'm sure, so. I'm sure, are you kidding me? They absolutely do, there's all... These guys totally had to sit there and throw things around until they finally found it. I don't know. Just call it the cloud. I don't know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. So here we go. The uh, the aforementioned wink of an eye. What do you got for this one, Brian? Now, it's basically about a bunch of alien, alien race that is accelerated and trying to be rescued from their, from their world, from Scalos. That need, they, they need to be... Wait, I'm trying to remember wink of an eye because wink of an eye is not a very good episode either. Um... No, not it is not. I mean, it's mostly this episode is mostly about obviously speed and like time 
Like I was thinking something with the word hyper in it. Hyperspeed. Hyper perspective. I like to see perspective, which you said earlier. That was floating around my head for this one, actually. Relativity? Nah. Also a Voyager title. Yep, yep. There we go. I got it. I got it. Wink. <laughs> you went you had to reach down deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? Let's go with the all right, all right, all right, here we go. We have wink of an eye, right? We have blink of an eye. Let's do twinkle of an eye. <laughs> twinkle of an eye. All right. I, I see where you go. I like it. I like it. Might as well keep the whole motif going. Twinkle of an eye. We've actually made that one longer. We, we, we've made that one longer by three letters, actually. So <laughs> just for the record. Let the record show. All right. So episode 14 of the third season, mm-hmm. that which survives... This might sound too like film noirish, so if it does, we'll default to something that you have, Brian. But I came up with Touch of Death because <sighs> the uh, Lee Mer- Lee Merriweather character has the Touch of Death in this episode. So I came up with something similar. What you got? <laughs> death lethal Touch. touch. <laughs> no, Lethal Touch. Lethal Touch. Okay. Yeah. I I, I like mine better. To be honest. Yeah, no, so. that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I just think lethal weapon with lethal touch. No, I know, I know. <laughs> well, I had it at death touch originally, and then as we were going through this, I'm like, I better change that one because it's Death Touch, Death Ship. Death. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know what these, you know what some of these titles sound like? They remind me of the original you were talking about Battlestar Galactica before. It kind of sounds like episodes of the original Galactica, episode titles of some of the episodes of the original show. Just as pulpy science fiction stuff yeah. absolutely yeah so, yeah all right so here here's a great title let that be your last battlefield uh yep. kirk never says that in the episode per se he says this will be your final battlefield or something along those lines so he doesn't say let that be your last battlefield but this again long much like for the world's hollow and i've touched the sky takes up most of the screen uh yep. what have you got for us brian well i know the original title for this episode was portrait in black and white i believe you see, no, there, there's conflicting stories about that. People associate that title with this episode just because of the subject matter and the fact that the um, aliens from Sharon have white and black faces. But it's my understanding that that episode was actually completely different than this. this that was actually going to be an episode with McCoy and Uhura, and they go down to a planet where the, the South won the Civil War, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what they were going for. So another alternate Earth planet but uh that has been i mean i i totally get why this title has kind of become attached to this episode but it's my understanding that that is not the case um my title for this is a bit esoteric i guess um binary binary okay like like either or Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's funny because because either or was gonna be my title no uh (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean i just feel like it's like you know in that in this scenario it's very obviously a very uh, black and white thing so i tend to think of it as a very when i think of a binary thing i think of it almost as like an either or kind of a thing i, I don't know what i came up with was pursuit because bell had been pursuing loci for like ten thousand years yeah yeah that's definitely an aspect of it and yet it's one aspect but it kind of misses the main 
meat of the episode, which is I kind of think what a lot of these other <laughs> titles do in the Berman era sometimes. So, uh, I, so you make the call, Brian. What, what are we going to go with? <laughs> Binary pursuit. My- <laughs> um, we'll go with yours. It gives it more of an action. I think if I were if I were going to turn on an episode and that title came up pursuit would probably be a little more interesting to me than binary i'd be like okay pursuit what's this about okay there's about 10 minutes at the end of the episode with them just running through the hallways of the Enterprise. yes there is <laughs> overlaid by random stock footage from world war ii yeah frank gorshin looking like he's running out of breath getting all sweaty running through the sets <laughs> running you can only imagine. I don't blame him for being sweaty. You have these studio lights on, and we have this paint on your face. You yeah. Know? So, so pursuit it is. Okay. Mo- moving on to episode sixteen, whom gods destroy? It's about Garth of Izar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about shape shifting. It's about in- the cure for insanity. You know, I-, I almost wanted to say, and this is too long, right, for a Berman era time. But I always wanted to say inmates running the asylum because <laughs> yeah. it's just a phrase people use i'm not the biggest fan of that so i'm hoping you came up with something better brian well i i, I want to use garth's name in it so I, 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 but i was having trouble coming up with the third word for it i want to like lord garth's like lord garth's delusion lord garth's madness like something like that but the problem is with a title like that is berman would never run a title like that right so it would have huh. to be an illusion almost like we'd have to come up with like a very like bu- like very elemental statement about megalomania because that's basically what Garth is. He's a megalomaniac. Right. I mean, you could just like we could just re- lean back on our one word title and just say Garth. megalomania or Garth. That's the other thing I was thinking of was was Garth or Lord Garth. Lord Garth or Garth. Because it's like a referendum of mental illness, but they don't really treat it very well during the episode. They just kind of portray him as a complete madman. Yeah, it's not the best representation of that. No, I agree. Uh, I I kind of lean just toward Garth. <laughs> I know it's a one word title, but I can just I can just see the white text coming up in the top left corner of an Enterprise episode. It says Garth <laughs> as we talk Garth. about it. <laughs> Lord Garth's madness. Like I, I like that. I do like that. But yeah, I guess it would be a little too flowery for Berman. Yeah, I can totally see it on, and you know, even Discovery, maybe, but uh, but not on Voyager and Prize, no sir. Yeah, so, yeah. No. Uh, let let let's go with Garth, much like uh, Jatrell on Voyager, mm-hmm. or that's I don't know, that's the first first one that came to my mind. We're talking about these one title for characters. You know, it's funny, like when you came up with this, you told me you wanted to do this, and I'm like, oh, this won't be too hard. But when you think about it, it actually is hard because. So many of the Berman era episodes are just devoid of like any kind of. Sometimes they're devoid of like any description of what they really are about. <laughs> so it's like, so it's this is much harder than I thought it would be. There you go. See, and th- and that's part of the fun, <laughs> discovering yeah. how difficult it is. <laughs> yeah. So next we have the Mark of Gideon, which to me this ep- this title never made any sense. So I have no problem retitling it. So what have you got, Brian? So it's about overpopulation mm-hmm. and trying to find a way, a completely goofy episode that makes no sense. But like, yeah, no, makes a, Oh, we don't have any space on our planet. Let's build a, 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 a scale replica of the Enterprise. That, yeah. that won't take up any space at all. That, that, that completely fools 
the person who's been living on it for years. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, th- we can go with th- the one thing that I did come up with has been used elsewhere in, in Trek contagion, which yeah, obviously you create a virus in order to control in this case, creating a virus that would help control the overpopulation on the planet. And it fits into the one word Berman motif that we are currently working with here. Um, Although I did use that for the title for the Naked Time for season one. So I was, <laughs> I, I, uh, What'd you have? Yeah, that's a good question, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no, I, I find I'm like, man, you know, my, I, I'm less critical. Like you were just saying, this is harder than I thought. Like I'm less critical of them calling it what they called it because I'm like, I don't know. Population control? That's a terrible title. <laughs> Episode, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's doing. there's Let's probably a nice flowery, there's probably a nice flowery way to refer to like overpopulation and people living in closed environments, like suffocation almost, but that doesn't that that doesn't really apply to this. How about death strain? Death strain, I like that. Okay, you you and your death titles. Death hey, touch. you too, man. Death ship. <laughs> death strain. I know. <laughs> A lot of death in Star Trek, so I like it. Death strain, because, you know, Kirk's going to be that strain of death that can help control their population. So I like it. Death strain. I can totally see that. Okay. It's a little it's a little too, like, 1980s schlocky action movie, but uh, but it's good. So we got episode 18, The Lights of Zatar. I was just going to call it Possessed. Yeah, that's a, probably about as good as it's going to get, isn't it? That or The Exorcist. You make your... <laughs> Well, there's also like the lights, maybe a reference to like the spectrum of light, maybe or something. But that probably doesn't really tell you much about it, does it? <laughs> no. Yeah, and she is that kind of is the core of the whole thing. She's possessed by these really nasty, nasty aliens. All right, yeah, let's go with that, man. All right, possessed it is. Another one-word winner. So they go to episode 19, The Cloud Minders. What have we got, Brian? Well, so this is about the haves and the have-nots, which is one of the more social-pointed episodes of the third season. Basically, it's about class warfare. See, to me, I'll, I'll say mine. I'll help you out, maybe. Uh, okay. th- to me, this is this is one of the ones, because, like, okay, the last couple were like, oh, I don't know. Uh, this is one I immediately thought of one. Above and Below. You know, I wonder if that that's a good one. I wonder if that was an alternate suggestion at one point for the episode title. That's a good one, though. Above and Below. It kind of tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's very basic and elemental, and it's kind of very suitable. Yeah, I, I go with that. All right. Above and Below it is. So, because we skipped you last time, Brian, you have to go first this time. The Way okay. to Eden. Head now to Eden. <laughs> hey, brother. Yeah, brother. <laughs> Let's call it Herbert. <laughs> I thought about that kind of as a joke, but. <laughs> Bad apple doesn't really work here. Poisoned apple would be good. Serpent in the Garden of Eden, maybe. Um, but again, that's a very flowery title for. I know. We'll call it the apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't really do that, can we? No, see, that's one of those ones where you could just like switch titles around on the original series. I'm like, yeah, that would work. 
What I came up with was, again, I suggested it earlier, and I was just like an alternate for if that didn't stick. Hijacked, because the Enterprise does get hijacked here. It, it does. It does. But, it, but it's also kind of about, it, I mean, it's obviously a referendum on hippies in the 60s. Yeah. And like Severin is like supposed to be like a Timothy Leary type of dude who, who's, you know, got a bunch of followers he's taking to find enlightenment. How about that? Enlightenment. enlightenment? I can see that. Because that's what they're all searching for. So um, They don't find it, of course. No, of course, because you never do in this world. I was about <laughs> to say, does anybody really find it? You see? You see? We got the, the, that title has a bit of pathos to it. That's good. Mm. I wonder if anyone ever says enlightenment in that episode. I, I would have to imagine. So I'm sure at some point, one of those characters is like, well, our way is one of enlightenment. So I like it. Enlightenment it is. Uh, because right. hij- one of these days... <laughs> I'm going to get to use hijack as a title. I'm going to keep trying. So. All right. Very good. We reach here. Um, We're reaching, Zach. We reach. We reach. We reach. Requiem for Methuselah, episode 21. Now, this is my favorite title, and it, it's tough because you really are putting your fit through a Picasso here. So what I came up with was The Perfect Woman. Interesting. I'm focusing more on the Raina character than the Flint character. so Because obviously yeah. the title as is is referring to Flint. Yeah, well, I was just going to call it Flint. See, I didn't think I wasn't focusing on Raina. Yeah, because I Raina to me like was kind of she's kind of like a bad joke because Kirk falls in love with a robot. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, it was that astronaut. it was that right? Jillian Fever. That's what I chalk it up to be. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like space astronaut. You know, falls in love with you know, sexy robot female. You know what I mean? It just had it just right. it was always kind of and then you know the whole thing at the end with Spock with the meld with forget. Sowing the seeds for remembering the Wrath of Khan. Okay, so give it the respect it deserves, Brian. All yeah, right, fair enough. Fair enough. I actually, and you know, I, I don't know. I think I've mentioned this on the show before. I, I actually fan edited the end of uh, City on the Edge Forever once, and I put this scene on it, and I just kind of took out the episode specific references. So you have him beam up from the Guardian Forever, and then it's like Spock and McCoy and Kirk in his cabin. I just cut, you know, I cut around the parts where like they mentioned this episode because I was like, if there was one instance where spock would have done that for kirk it would have been edith keeler on city legend yeah. forever so yeah absolutely and i uh i put it on youtube but then they claim copyright on it and <laughs> so it's gone now but <laughs> it was just an interesting experiment i'm not saying they should have done that it was just an yeah. interesting experiment and i remember in harlan ellison he always used to talk about the final the final scene was supposed to be spock and kirk's cabin and they were talking so that's that's why my mind went there but anyway yeah no no man that's cool Flint it is, Brian. I like your title. Straight into the point. Flint. Yeah, no, I mean, there is, I think there is a literary figure or certainly a mythological figure somewhere in literature. I just, it's escaped me at the moment of a person who survives through time and is in, gets involved in different eras, much like Flint, but I can't remember the name right now. That might've been a good illusion to make. Oh yeah. Oh, 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 uh, Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. That guy. Yeah, that guy from Canada. That guy from Canada with the with the you know the claws. Oh. That guy. Yeah. In, in all seriousness, there is Longinus, the guy who stabs Jesus with the spear of destiny. Maybe that's him. Yeah, I, I, but there is. Yeah, I seem to recall there being a. I'm just. It's escaping me at the moment. But like a literary character that moves through time, and is at key events, much like Flint. So that would be a good illusion if I could remember what it was. Maybe that would be helpful here, but I can't. So Flint it is in the home stretch in our last three episodes, 22 
The Savage Curtain. What have you got for this one, Brian? Beyond Good and Evil. Oh, okay. I like that. Mine was Good and Evil. So we're definitely on the same wavelength there. Uh, I like Beyond Good and Evil. I th- that is a book, right? It's a Nietzsche book, I believe. That's right. The reason I know that, listeners, is because uh, Lionel Luther on Smallville has a copy of that in his safe. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So uh, Beyond yeah, Good th- and Evil, I-, I like that. He's the kind of person that would have that kind of book, definitely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that see that was that was a slam that was a slam dunk title, because we were both thinking good and evil. I mean that's what that, that's what Yarnick is like. We want to understand your concepts of good and evil. Yep, and we got to meet Serac for the first time. Serac and Kales. Kales. And uh, Colonel Green. And Colonel Green. Colonel Green. Yeah. And that other woman who no one ever remembers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so all our yesterdays coming up next. Yeah, this this one's a tricky one because that's a really good title. <laughs> it is. It is a really good title. I I went just like, what is an object in this episode? I went Atavacron. Yeah, the Atavacron. That's what I thought of too. The Atavacron, because it, it kind of it sounds exotic. Yeah, it's like, oh, Atavacron. What the hell? What's 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 that? That sounds interesting. And it's a very that's a very Star Trekky kind of has a yeah. It's a very tech has a kind of little exotic tech feel to it you know yeah another another slam dunk title for me now episode 24 turnabout intruder i actually <laughs> joked about this we had an episode talking about turnabout intruder not too long ago and and i titled our episode of standard orbit this so i'm gonna go with this because i'm kind okay. of like locked into it now called it swap yeah well there, yeah there was a yeah i was thinking of a movie that came out in the early 90s with um Ellen Barkin and Jimmy Smits. I think it was called Switch. Switch. Okay. So I was thinking that, and then if to be really goofy, I, I thought of a um, an Ed Wood title, Glenn or Glenda. <laughs> <laughs> of, of those of those three options, I actually I actually like yours. I actually like Switch better than Swap. I don't know. It was kind of an off the cuff comment I made at the time. Like if they made this in the nineties, it'd be called Swap. But uh, no, like but that, that's not a bad better. title though. You like Switch more? Okay. I like Switch. What is it? A couple more letters? <laughs> Switch. I mean, we could probably do something about, you know, what identity means. Try to find a good word to describe that. But it's probably not worth thinking too hard about this episode since it's such yeah. an incredible piece of garbage. <laughs> but, see, but I submit to you, I submit to you, if it were not the final episode, like I mentioned earlier, if it were not the, if it were, if it were hidden somewhere in the middle of the season, I think it would be regarded. Uh, not great, but regarded less negatively if it was just hidden in there in the middle of the season. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because everyone knows, in every Star Trek documentary, it's like, the last episode, Turnabout Intruder, where Captain Kirk turns into a woman. It's like, okay, all right, guys. We get, you know, that, But that's the narrative that has been like just drilled in our brains through watching yeah. all these Star Trek documentaries over the years. So. And and Shatner is just completely unhinged in the episode. Like... <laughs> He knew the end was coming, and he just like let it all fly, man. <laughs> it is it is entertaining to watch him in the episode. Oh, yeah. I, I must say so. And one of the great gifts is in that episode. Yeah, where he said this captain's chair pushing, yeah, yeah. The, uh, was, yeah, pushing yeah, yeah, yeah. the spirit. I'm telling you guys, yeah. look, uh, and uh, if you if you, like if you search like Shatner Kirk gifts. 70% of them are from the third season. <laughs> I guess it's all the best moments. Him him spitting on the wall in this episode. Yep. Him throwing a tantrum and whom God yeah, destroy. And, him and the, and him destroy, in the turbo yeah. lift. I mean, from a, um, 
and the children Charlie, like we mentioned earlier, like like all of the best, most ridiculous Shatner gifts. Oh, Plato's stepchildren, where he's the horse. It's all there, guys. So these are the gems the third season gives us. <laughs> so there we go. So we we have successfully or unsuccessfully, depending on your point of view, retitled every episode of Star Trek's third season. I'm gonna read them all now for us, Brian. So buckle your seatbelts, get excited for the next season of Star Trek. If this doesn't get you excited to watch this season, I don't know what will. So here we go. In order. All right. Production order. All right. Tombstone. Tears. Kirok. Cloak. Fear. What is Brain? Eye of the Beholder. Jim. Interspace. World Ship. Death Ship. The Puppet Masters. <laughs> Twinkle of an Eye. Touch of Death, Pursuit, Garth, Death Strain, Possessed, Above and Below, Enlightenment, Flint, Beyond Good and Evil, Atavacron, and finally, Switch. Lots of one-word titles in there. <laughs> I think we did pretty good. <laughs> we did all right, yeah. It's tough though. Like you, it really is hard to water these things down into like very simple titles. Much tougher than I thought it would be. The one I'm most proud of, I know it's so simple, but I really like a Tavacron. <laughs> like it sounds like a cool sci fi title. Like that could it be does. like a it, like a weird movie from the seventies or something, right? <laughs> it totally could. But yeah, and it's a very Star Trekky title. Like some of these fit nicely would fit nicely on the show that's one of them most definitely exactly uh but yeah that, that was a lot of fun so season three so now we've done all three seasons we have these alternate titles uh it's been really fun to see y'all's uh, feedback and commentary on them on the babel conference kind of commenting with their own titles and and whatnot and it's just it's just a lot of fun because we have lived and breathed with these episode titles i, I mean I, i'm sure like I'm, I'm sure like me brian you could probably recite every episode of the original series from memory uh it's yeah, burned into your them. brain right so like, having to like well no it's 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 not it's called this <laughs> like you've known this your entire <laughs> life it's like it's like yeah. retitling the books of the bible or something so it's it's like sacrilege that's a, that's an excellent analogy that's but it's true though it's been so burned into my head since i was a little kid that yeah to try to reconfigure it and and but you know what's you know what's good about it though it forces you to really think about what these episodes are elementally at their core, you know, despite, you know, the, 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 the great, the, the acting and whatever, like what the core theme of these episodes are in order to try to find a good, quick, simple, elegant title for these, you know, it, it's a cool, it's an interesting exercise. Cool. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I know we, we've been talking about you coming on and we wanted to find something to talk about and we just happened to be, you know, in this series now. I'm like, well, hey, let's just, let's do this. Let's have some fun with the third season. So. Yeah. No, I hope I didn't suck, Zach. <laughs> well, let the listeners judge you. I think you did fine. Yeah. So I, okay. uh, I, you know, to, to, I think that's a great point to, to wrap it up there. You know, Roddenberry always used to say when somebody gave him a story idea, like, well, "What's it about?" And they're like, "Uh," <laughs> and like, "All right, well, if you don't have an answer for me, come back with another story." So uh, yeah. having to think about what these stories really are, because I think there is a lot of great TV out there today. There really is the serialized storytelling, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. You get drawn in, you get it. You kind of go like, "Oh God, I can't wait for the next episode," but at the same time, you're like. What is this about? Like, like I want to see it because I want to see what happens next. But, but what is the what is the moral of this? What is the journey the character is going on? What is this kind of yeah. 
you know, what, what am I taking away from this? And I think that's something that often gets lost in TV today, which Star Trek, you know, classic Star Trek, you know, 50 plus years later, even the bad episodes, they're about something. And that's what's so mm-hmm. great about it. Well said. Well, Brian, thanks so much for joining me this week. Thank you for having me. It happened some fun. Yeah. So if, again, I know we mentioned it off the top, but if people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter, bdrew73. And then, you know, we have our podcast, The Trek Movie. Just stop by. We'd love to hear from you. Give our podcast a spin if you'd like. We think it's a fun little uh, fun little thing we do every couple of weeks. So uh, hope to hear from you. That's right. The Shuttle Podcast over yep. a Trek Movie. Over so a Trek check Movie. Check it out, guys. All right. Well, retitling original series episodes isn't the only thing we've been doing on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Earl Grey. But just really in a most passionate way he could, in a compassionate manner, he, he goes to him, you are not alone. We're here to help you to do this together. And that means so much to me. Like, you know, I guess being being the youngest kid in the family, so I kind of think, you know, that like you, you don't want to be left out. So you know that feeling where no one's listening to you? But to see Picard really reach out to him and he wants to help him with all his might, but, but there's just that... There's that divide with him not being able to speak or hear. Melodic tricks. Eventually, you know, it, it the screen goes to white, and then you cut to uh, Ripley's ship that, that's been derelict for 57 years, and there's this very lonesome-sounding string melody that's playing, and I don't think it's a direct lift, but it's it's certainly very very similar to a piece by um, R.M. Kachaturian. Uh, it's from a piece, a suite of music called the Gain Ballet Suite, and it's an adagio. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. No, that we say goodbye to everybody this season. Like, anyone who walked off the bridge, like, if you had to go take a leak, they would, like, all stand up and say goodbye. It was, like, pathetic. The Orb. Maybe we all need to be comfortable with that discomfort of hearing something that's different from what we think. So instead of attacking, instead of pushing back immediately, we could just let it go, we could say nothing, or we could respond with, hmm, that's interesting. That's not how I see it, but I didn't think about it that way either. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, you can get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MB3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trekfm contact and look at the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm.com and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals, our different milestone contribution levels, along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include 
early access to content, exclusive content, producer credit, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, Dan Rhodes, and Mike Richards. Your contributions, your help, your support, they mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach, that's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Full into Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville, with one S. I'm also the co-host of Franchise Fatigue, a podcast where we look at sequels, remakes, movie franchises, and when a franchise gets fatigued. You can find us on Twitter at UFP Earth, part of the United Federation of Podcasts. So thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. <laughs>